Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are trading lower this morning on the back of overnight losses on Wall Street. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. Good morning, Ryan Huang. Hey, good morning, Michelle. Let's start the morning with corporate earnings and more specifically, let's look at the automobile sector. So two major car makers, both in Europe, have opened their books and they give us some good insight on the sector. Okay, Volvo or Mercedes? I don't think this is a conversation we've had before, Ryan. Which would you rather? Oh, it's a tough one. I would... <laughs> One both. <laughs> One for, well... Yeah, very good mood. choice. I mean, why choose if you don't have to? Excellent. Uh, but personal preferences aside, how are their businesses doing? So how are Volvo and Mercedes performing? Yeah, in short, it is good news for both companies. So I'm looking mm. at Volvo recording record first quarter sales and we've got margins also improving better than expected. So that's great news. And if you look into the numbers you have operating profit rising 45%. And if you look at the earlier expectations in January, there was all these jitters and concerns around supply chain issues that have yet to be resolved and all the rising costs of making a car. Pretty much all raw materials were going up in terms of prices. That did not come through as painful as expected, it seems. And if you look at the quarter, they cited that how... The supply chain situation seems to be better in some sense. And also, if you look at the price increases, that was not as bad as well. So all that seemed to lend to a better quarter. Then Mercedes uh, also benefited from higher sales. And this was boosted by electric vehicles and premium cars. So worldwide sales was up 3%. Europe was the biggest driver and that's interesting because when you look at Europe these days, you've got all the concerns about a recession but people still spending on cars. So Volvo shares jumped more than 7% in European trade yesterday thanks to those strong truck sales. Shares of Mercedes-Benz closed up two-thirds of a percent. They are up 13% though from the beginning of the year. Volvo didn't quite give an explanation uh, for its performance. What do you make overall of uh, how Volvo and Mercedes have done? Yeah, it's... uh very encouraging sign of how the economy is shaping up. You know, we talk about recession, how that's starting to be a big concern around the corner. But you've got companies showing that consumers are still spending on big ticket items. And it's a sign as well uh, how the restrictions have started to open up. And typically, the big ticket items are one of those expenses they don't buy immediately. They go traveling first, buy all these small expansion stuff, and then they buy the big ticket items like cars and property. So maybe this could mean that the economy could hold up better than expected if you see sales at the car makers perform better than expected. So broad improvement, not just for the uh, car industry, but perhaps a harbinger of what's to come for the general economy. Uh, one more car note. Earlier this week, we talked about how the 
Biden administration in the U.S. is planning to enact new regulations that could transform the U.S. auto industry and make electric vehicles the norm. Well, those rules took a step forward overnight with the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency officially proposing them. If they take effect, watch out for investments in utilities and infrastructure and let's say the transmission lines needed for a wide-scale rollout of EVs are not in place yet. Next up, let's look at banks. And there are signs from the sector that all is not doom and gloom. Now, last month, most banking headlines focus, of course, on failures from the mid-sized US banks to the European giant Credit Suisse. This morning, we have some indications of how major banks are navigating the new terrain. First, I want to focus on HSBC. It sees opportunity in the failure of America's Silicon Valley Bank. How so? That's right, Michelle. And recent headlines around banks have not been that favorable. There have been around layoffs, cutbacks, and much more pain to come. Now you have some bright spots. HSBC is hiring from Silicon Valley Bank. So this, I guess, is not a surprise if you look at how HSBC is trying to muscle in on some of the segments that SVB was dominant or at least strong in. And that includes the technology and healthcare space. So accordingly, they have hired dozens of SVB bankers led by David Sabo, who most recently led the tech and healthcare banking segments for SVB. So that is also off the back of their recent endeavour into the UK, where they bought the British arm of SVB for £1. So this will put HSBC in better footing to reach out to the tech community. So it's a talent grab for HSBC, looking particularly at the areas of uh, IT, investor coverage and business development. Next up, let's look at UBS. It is still sorting out its shotgun marriage, shall we say, with Credit Suisse, a huge deal that was just done in a couple of days. It seems so that UBS may use the deal to re-enter a market that it previously left. Where is that? Yeah, we are looking at India. So you've, um, you look at the recent headlines, there's been so much um, uncertainty around the future of many of these Credit Suisse employees because of the duplications to some extent where they are operating in both markets. So when it comes to India, UBS is thinking about retaining the unit that serves India's rich clients. So that's good news for those involved, at least in that part of the market. And finally, Goldman Sachs. Yesterday, we talked about how Warren Buffett is bullish on Japan. Well, it turns out that Goldman Sachs is as well. What's the latest here? Yeah, so it's also about growth at Goldman Sachs. And they are looking to Japan for that next growth market when it comes to transaction banking services. So this is where they go into the business of managing cash flows for big companies. And it is going to mean um, they will be starting to handle more Japanese clients. Uh, this will include cash management and cross-border payments into more than 160 countries. Managing accounts more efficiently and speedily is what they are promising. So that's uh, Japan and Goldman Sachs. 
One more note about banks. We talked about uh, Warren Buffett recently. Uh, He says he's confident that the U.S. banking system is safe and no depositors will lose money. Officially, the U.S. only insures deposits of up to $250,000. But Buffett is so confident about the safety of the system. He is challenging anyone to a bet. Hmm, a bet with Buffett? He says he will bet one million U.S. dollars that no American depositor loses money from a bank failure. If he wins, the loser will donate the funds to charity. No word yet if he has any takers. What do you think? Someone's going to take that up? <laughs> I don't think it's a good idea to bet against Warren Buffett. <laughs> good point. Next up, we turn to the broader markets where investors are focused on the latest U.S. inflation numbers. So while inflation is still running at a high pace, there are signs that it may be easing if we look at the inflation rises for March. Walk us through the numbers. All right. Inflation was the big event to watch out for in terms of data points. So we got it last night on the CPI numbers. So coming in, well, 0.4% if you look at the core consumer price index, that excludes food and energy. That follows the prior month's 0.5% gain. So looking at it, it does show that there is some cooling to some extent, some moderation, and also pretty much in line with estimates. So no surprises, no nasty surprises when it comes to inflation. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you want to read into it more optimistically, it shows moderation. But end of it, it is still not as low as what they want it to be. So the Fed is going to keep on pace for that rate hike down the road. Remember, the Fed targeting that inflation level of 2%. So it's uh, still much higher than where the Fed would like it to be. So I guess the big question is, what will the U.S. Federal Reserve do next? Minutes from its last meeting indicate that Fed officials believe the U.S. could be headed for a mild recession before year's end. Does it appear that these recession concerns will impact the next rate's decision? Yeah, you mentioned 2%. So the year-on-year number for inflation was 5.6%. So that's how much more it needs to go. So if you look at some of the data we are looking at, you've got um, some concerns around how energy could be a big wild card because energy prices, even though in the latest reading, they fell 3.5%. We had the surprise OPEC Plus decision to cut output. So that supported prices. And the big question is, what's going to happen? Will these higher prices hurt the economy even more? And maybe just worsen the risks of a recession down the road. So that's one of the big question marks alongside you know, what else could be in store for the banking sector, as we've seen in SVB, Signature Bank, Credit Suisse. Maybe the worst may not be over for the financial sector. All right. The U.S. markets initially rallied on news that inflation is slowing, but then sellers stepped in and the major indices all finished lower for the day. Nasdaq dropped 0.8%. The S&P 500 finished down 0.4%. Now, you know, I can't miss this out. It would be remiss not to talk about the Elon Musk report for the day. Musk, you see, has given one of his most extensive interviews. He did that yesterday. Uh, it's one of the most in-depth interviews since taking over Twitter. Musk spoke with BBC. It was a hastily arranged interview, which was also streamed live on Twitter, by the way. More than three million concurrent users tuned in to the almost two-hour-long conversation. At times, the interview became combative with Musk 
Musk challenging his interviewer about BBC's track record on everything from COVID to hate speech. And there were also a couple of interesting revelations, albeit they only come from one source, right, Musk, so we can't quite verify the numbers he's trotting out. All the same, let's take a closer look, starting with Twitter's staff count. So just how many employees are left at Twitter, Ryan? Yeah, so in better days, Twitter had 8,000 employees. And of course, with the recent hit, headcount cuts, it has gone down quite drastically. So right now, going by what we are hearing, is about 1,500 down from 8,000. And Elon Musk is defending these cuts because he said Twitter was in quite a bad place when it comes to cash flow. It was negative to the tune of $3 billion. So he had to do something and that involve cutting jobs. And it seems like that is paying off to some extent right now. Is Twitter close to profitability? Yeah, so that is the thing to do with the sustainability of what we are seeing when it comes to these cost savings. Uh, We are looking at a better overall number and that is coming through from those cost cuts. And... That is uh, something you have to bear in mind as well. Will people stick around uh, when it comes to users? So he's trying to monetize Twitter by rolling out subscription models. But with so many people gone, it has led to multiple disruptions. In fact, there have been six major outages because perhaps he doesn't have the right people in store, uh, in place, enough at least, that has led to a negative experience for many users. So even though he is closer to profitability and sometimes um, he is claiming it is very close to breaking even, Mm. he has a big task ahead to build on that because he doesn't have the growth, uh, at least he doesn't have the employees to drive that growth. So what does Musk think about the New York Times and other big media companies that have so far refused to pay for Twitter's blue verification checks, Ryan? Yeah, so that's pretty much on the way out. So if you've been on Twitter, if you've been a celebrity, a journalist, someone who's famous, you would have a blue check. Mm -hmm. And for some time, he's been saying, hey, you guys should pay for it because I think that well, he thinks that's the way to go, and at least um, to to kind of weed out all these bots and fake accounts. And he feels, you know, that's something they need to get used to because by next week he is going to phase it out. And he says it's a small amount of money. He doesn't think it's a big deal. And for these news media outlets, he thinks, you know, that's something they should pay as I guess business expenses, the cost of doing business. Now, many of Musk's own tweets have landed him in some hot water, Ryan. What has he said about these tweets? Yeah, so he has taken a more reflective approach when we uh, look at his latest comments around his tweets. So he has been quite provocative at some points. Now he has admitted that some of his tweets he is regretting right now. And Mm. it turns out he's been staying up really late, sometimes tweeting after 3 a.m. And he's saying he's regretting those times he tweeted so late and perhaps that's something he needs to control himself over a bit more.
Yeah, tweet Twilight Zone after three. Uh, two major media outlets, meanwhile, NPR and PBS, are quitting Twitter. They are upset over Twitter's new labels, which have referred to the broadcasters as state-affiliated media. Musk fired back that NPR should lose its federal funding, taxpayer dollars pay for a portion of National Public Radio's budget. The rest comes from public donations, by the way. So, Musk uh, coming across as new labeler for media, huh? Yeah, so there's been this big debate about how these labels have been applied. The BBC, for example, was being labeled government-funded. So they're you know, protesting against that because they take revenue from many places as well. Public funding is what they are trying to describe themselves as. And that's actually how they got this exclusive interview. They were quite unhappy with it. One of the journalists reached out to Elon Musk saying, hey, I want to talk to you about it. And by the way, can I have an interview? And by a stroke of luck, they got an interview. You see, I told you I should have done what I was talking about <laughs> yesterday. I'm amazed he didn't get the emoji poop. The poop emoji poop on emoji. interview, Michelle. The <laughs> payoff is worth the risk. All right, time for more corporate news and a daily game of up or down, everybody. You can play along at home as well. This is Market View. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Great to have you with us this morning. Let's look at Tencent. All right, Tencent is going to be down for me and they are slumping when it comes to share prices and the most in seven weeks amid speculation that one of its biggest shareholders process is going to be spitting up the sale of shares in the internet giant yeah, so Process uh, reportedly speeding up the sale. Uh, they already sold off nearly 200 million shares as of January. This is of Tencent. So Process is uh, Tencent's largest shareholder. Process now signaling it wants to sell more and at a quicker pace. So I think that's a down for Tencent in my book. Let's look at Alibaba. Okay, Alibaba is a down. It's been up and down recently. But in the latest news around SoftBank, uh, major shareholder SoftBank has sold a majority of its stake in the company. So perhaps taking profit, so roughly $7.2 billion worth of shares is um, what's being reported as being sold via prepaid for contracts. And now SoftBank only holds a 3.8% stake. So it is perhaps depending on how you look, look at it, a vote mm. of confidence or taking profit? So I think SoftBank reportedly planning to sell most of its stake in Alibaba is a down. Investors would agree with that call. Apparently, Alibaba shares dropped 6% overnight. Let's look at Indonesian mining giant PT Trimega Bangun Persada. Yeah, so this was the biggest IPO for Indonesia this year. Mm. And they had a good showing. Shares of also known as Harita Nickel, were up 4.4%. So it is showing that you know, nickel is a big play this year, especially with the material being used for EV batteries. Yeah. It made its debut on the Jakarta Exchange yesterday and its shares finished higher, PT3 Mega Bangun Persada. Uh, its shares finished higher, up about 4.5%. Not a lot, but it is still the biggest listing of the year in Indonesia. So that would be an up for me. Let's look at Manulife US REIT. Okay, I am probably going to go with up because mm. they have managed to divest one of its properties in the US. Yeah. So this is Oregon property and this was the um, price tag $33.5 million. And all in, it is though going to book a net loss of 4 
$100,000 from the divestment. But I suppose with the new monies, it can put it to better use. Yeah, I'll give Manulife US read an up on the back of that news as well. Uh, the Oracle of Omaha is on my mind. Just about everybody these days has tried chat GPT and apparently so has Warren Buffett. Now, you might remember... Um, Buffett has never considered himself to be a tech guy. He used to avoid tech stocks mm. like the plague until, of course, Apple. Uh, what a what a buy that was about seven years ago. Uh, solid returns. But back to Chat Chat GPT. So Bill Gates visited Buffett a few months ago with a demo of Chat GPT. Well before the rest of us had a look at it. Um, what did Buffett ask Chat GPT to do? <laughs> so he was just toying around and asked. ChatGPT to rewrite a song my way and rewrite it in Spanish. <laughs> and he was quite impressed. It looks like he was quite impressed because it managed to do so in seconds and not just translate it, but also come up with the you know rhyming words to make it flow into a rhythm in Spanish. So it's not easy because you can translate it, but then to make it flow and make it rhyme is a different ballgame altogether. <laughs> so that's Warren Buffett being impressed by ChatGPT. So maybe that could pave the way for him to explore more AI-related investments. Uh, mm. Also worth noting, uh, he realized that ChatGPT is unable to tell jokes. It has its limitations. It is not as punny as Ryan Huang. Yeah, so for now, I guess, Michelle, our jobs are safe to some extent. <laughs> for now, it looks like chat GPT is beneficial to the human race. Um, and stand-up comedians still have their jobs intact. Hey, thanks for joining us this morning. This is Market View. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.